Hello, Pittsburgh Steeler fans, and welcome to another podcast at Pittsburgh, a voice from across the pond, recording live here on a Tuesday at 11 o'clock UK time, making it, what, 6 o'clock on the eastern seaboard of the United States of America. Welcome to all Steeler fans out there, all over Steeler Nation, wherever you are listening to this podcast. I welcome you, and I hope you're all doing really well this morning, especially if you are a Pittsburgh Steeler fan, the greatest NFL franchise in the world, bar none. Of the best fans in the world, bar none. So, welcome. What's going on this week? So, first things first, I want to reflect back on the uh, Super Bowl from Sunday. Um, thank goodness the Bengals didn't win. Um, I was rather confused, though, by reading a lot on social media about Steeler fans saying they were going to root for the Bengals, given the fact they are our AFC North uh, partners. Personally, as a true diehard black and gold, diehard Pittsburgh Steelers fan, um, could not find myself ever, ever rooting for the Bengals, um, given our past history, uh, given the way I feel about their fans, uh, the way their fans feel about us. And, you know, the fact that, you know, if we had been in that Super Bowl, if it had been the Pittsburgh Steelers, VLA Rams or anybody, they would have uh, supported the opposition. Bengals fans always say that their second favourite team is whoever the Pittsburgh Steelers are playing. Uh, they are very insulting about us. You know, remember the past, the uh, terrible towel incidents, you know, people like Hushman Zada cleaning his shoes on our sacred ter- terrible towels. The throwing of the trash in the beer cans when Ben was being taken off on a cart hurt. Uh, the stupid quote from Pac-Man Jones, for example, when he said... I don't want no Steelers fans jumping on our bandwagon when we win the Super Bowl. What Super Bowl is that, Pac-Man? The only thing you got is three Haribo rings. We got six real rings. Uh, so the Rams went on to win 23-20 with the MVP being Cooper Cup. Um, personally, you've got to say really, really chuffed for the guy. Um, I know Cooper Cup's not a Steeler, but I'm a big fan of his. He is a really humble guy. He's a nice guy. Plays the game uh, with passion, with just skill he is a top top wide receiver and you know when you hear him interviewed after the game and he comes out with a quote like um i I, you know i don't feel worthy of winning this award it just shows how humble this guy is you know not only obviously is he super bowl mvp also won offensive player of the year Um, he caught two touchdown passes in the super bowl you know he caught the game winning touchdown pass in the super bowl you know he he's a fantastic guy you know he follows in the footsteps of some great mv wide receiver mvps in particular of course i'm going to pick these two heinz ward and santonio holmes um but obviously you know it was a it was an interesting super bowl it was a good game tight game um not the blowout someone predicted given the rams uh building towards this super bowl the rams picking the sort of harlem globe trotter type approach to winning a super bowl with the likes of aaron donald von miller hodel beckham jr matt stafford sony Michelle, uh, Cam Akers, Cooper Cobb, Tyler Higby, all these, uh, you know, high quality players. Uh, you know, they'd certainly mortgage their future this year in terms of trying to win the Super Bowl in their home stadium, SoFi Stadium. Nice stadium that, isn't it? Uh, so, you know, that first touchdown uh, by Odell Beckham Jr., great cover by Mike Hilton, not. Nice to see Mike Hilton getting fried. You know, when Mike Hilton was at the Steelers, loved him to bits, but, you know, you, you play down to the devil, you get burnt, Mike. You've gone across the dark side. Live with it. Um, so, you know, Cooper Cup uh, then got a TD to take it to 14-3. At that point, it probably looking a bit like the Rams were going to get the blowout they deserved. Then the Bengals came out with one of their gadget plays, mixing the throw into Higgins to make it to 13-10. Then one of the worst moments of officiating I've ever seen in a Super Bowl. Um, T. Higgins, 
absolutely just tried to take off um, Jalen Ramsey's helmet. He, he pulled his face mask. You know, if you watch the slow-mos, I can't understand it, how that was not called as offensive pass interference. Okay, perhaps, you know, the line judge didn't see it and the referee didn't see it because he couldn't keep up with play. But why didn't New York call it down? New York have called down lesser things than that over the years to, to you know, to stop plays. I guarantee you one thing. I absolutely 100% guarantee you, if that had been Chase Claypool instead of T Higgins, it would have been called. Guarantee it. There'd have been flags everywhere. There'd have been vilification everywhere. There'd have been the, oh, look, it's him again. Chase Claypool. He hasn't got maturity to deal with this. Look at that stupid boy. Guarantee it. Guarantee it. So that, so that touchdown should never, ever, ever have stood. Now, I've heard Bengals fans say, yes, but, you know, think about that play at the end that helped the Rams win. That was never pa um, pass interference on the on Cup by their linebacker. Yes, it was. He had hold of him. The first thing he did was grab him. Uh, I think, you know, that happens a lot in the modern NFL. I don't know why, but it seems that all linebackers and, and to some lesser extent, secondary players, uh, seeing their first movement is just to grab the player they're meant to be marking, grab him first to slow him down. I think that seems to be the seems to be the policy. Um, so obviously that took it to 2013 Bengal, 2013 Bengals. The Rams got back into it with that field goal uh, by Gay to make it 2016, and then Cooper Cup came up big to get with his uh, touchdown catch from Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford, who I thought had a very good game as well. Um, it's nice to see Matt Stafford getting some just rewards for the career he's had. Obviously, you know he took an absolute hammering in Detroit with the Lions. Uh, pretty pathetic franchise, really. You know, uh, constantly underperforming, constantly. Uh, uh, franchise that lacks success. You know, I really do feel for Lions fans going through what they go through on a consistent basis. Certainly makes you grateful to be a Steelers fan um, when you see things like that, when you see things like that from the Lions and also the Jets and the Jags to a lesser extent. Um, Sean McFay became the youngest head coach to win a Super Bowl as well. Um, who, was the super, who was the coach that he overtook? Yes, Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin was the previous youngest coach to win a Super Bowl. Now it is Sean McVay. Uh, perhaps just rewards for Sean McVay. You know, he's done a good job with LA. Got him to two Super Bowls already in his uh, young often in his young head coaching career. Uh, winning one and losing one. Obviously losing one to those pain in the backside Patriots. Um, but obviously this time finally getting perhaps what they've been building towards definitely all this year. Um, that Super Bowl win given the players that they've gone after this year in terms of drafting the like, uh, not drafting, in terms of trading for the likes of OBJ, Von Miller, for example. So well done, Rams. Um, you know, let's just reflect for a minute. You know, what can the Steelers learn from that Super Bowl? What do they learn? I think one of the things we need to learn is we definitely need more key offensive weapons. If you look at the guys who really shone in that Super Bowl, Cooper Cup, for example, uh, OBJ, uh, Jamar Chase, for example, that fantastic reception he had uh, over Jalen Ramsey uh, from Joe Burrow's throw. You know, you need good offensive weapons to uh, really contend in this uh, modern quarterback-led area. You need weapons for your quarterback. The other thing I think we need to learn is if you look at uh, the Bengals this year, the Bengals, I think one of the things that really held them back from winning on Sunday was the fact that they their offensive line is not very good. It really let them down. Joe Burrow got hammered again. And, you know, he had that injury to his other knee, which he declined medical treatment on because uh, he wanted to stay in the Super Bowl. You know, fair play to, you know, props to Joe for doing that. Um, you know, not a massive Joe Burrow fan in terms of the person. I think he's a very talented quarterback, but don't really like, like the guy. Um, but at the end of the day, you need to build a good, strong offensive line, don't you? Because 
without that strong offensive line, you're going to get your quarterback killed. I mean, if you think about Burrow in the Titans game, I know the Bengals went on to win that game, but he was sacked nine times. If you put a quarterback, as we've seen this year as well with Ben, behind a pretty poor offensive line, you're going to get him killed. He's running for his life constantly. He doesn't have the time to make decisions to throw. He doesn't have the chance to go through his read progressions. He doesn't have a chance to look at what all the options are before he releases the ball. Um, I think the statistic I read that was that Burrow was had about two and a half seconds before he had to release the ball on Sunday due to the pressure that was coming from the likes of Aaron Donald and Von Miller, for example. So... Having that offensive line, that good offensive line, is absolutely vital. And I think you can have the most talented quarterback in the world, but if you put him behind an offensive line that is constantly going backwards, constantly struggling, and constantly looking like a set of turnstiles, it's, he's going to struggle. Because he won't have the time, like I said, to establish his pocket presence. He won't have the time to go through his progression reads. And yes, when you've got a mobile quarterback, like a Burrow, like a Mahomes, like an Allen, like a, to a lesser extent, Matt Stafford, who can move around and get themselves out of trouble, it does help. But again, if they're running around everywhere, they still haven't got time to get through those read progressions that they need. They're doing everything on the fly. They're doing everything off the back foot. And that's not what you want to see. So that, that need to build that offensive line is something the Steelers really need to address going into this new season of 2022. Um, obviously, you know, we're going to go through... Uh, Fair few, you know, fair few big dates coming up. Um, yesterday was the first day of waivers. Uh, for example, for uh, those players who were signed off waivers to be actually added to their new squads, um, or for um, players to be waived from front, uh, from rosters to uh, enter waivers for next season. Um, on twenty second of February, we enter the franchise franchise tagging period. Um, then on March the 1st to March the 7th, we've got the NFL Scouting Combines. That's the first chance we get to have a chance to see at these top, top rookies. Um, which rookies do we want? Which rookies are looking impressive? Getting all those measurements, those 40 times, bench press things for linemen, you know, catching ability for the receivers, throwing ability for the quarterbacks. A real chance to look in detail for the GMs, scouts and head coaches of the NFL teams. Um, obviously around March time, March 14th, March 16th, the free agency tampering period begins. Um, and on March the 16th, the new league year officially starts for 2022 when free agents can be signed. Uh, moving forward from that, uh, you can have some, you can start doing off season workouts from April the 18th. Um, then between the 28th and the 30th of April, obviously that's the big one. It's the NFL draft. Um, now, obviously now the season is officially closed we're going to start to see even more mock drafts coming out um, you know using all those different mock draft simulators on the uh, internet to choose the players um, all those uh, you know living room and uh, office GMs looking at their uh, who they, they'd like their teams to draft I know I've done that and I think we're all guilty of that as NFL fans um, we're 85 days away from schedule release <laughs> that's a long way away we're 87 days away from rookie minicamp 161 days away from training camp and unfortunately 177 to 180 days away from pre-season and the season doesn't start to the 8th of September. Yes guys we've got to wait to the 8th of September for the next live football that means anything. Um, you know, the Steelers are going into a massive off-season. You know, as I've said on my previous podcast, this is an absolutely huge off-season for the Pittsburgh Steelers. With 22, 23 players going into free agency, um, so many key positions that we need to address, O-line, D-line, obviously a lot of revolving around the Tewitt situation, which we've really got to try and resolve 
as soon as possible so that going into the draft going into free agency we know what it is we're looking at you know are we looking at a good experienced veteran free agent or can we have or is to it back so we've got time therefore to draft um, a rookie who can learn behind the likes of Tuit, Aloalo and Haywood and be spelled into the team the likes of Jordan Davis, for example, out of Georgia, or Travis Jones, who I absolutely love, out of UConn, for example, two very good defensive linemen who would be great selections for the Steelers. Um, so obviously the two-it situation really needs addressing. Obviously our O-line situation needs addressing. We need to look at what the work that Kendrick Green is doing with Marquise Pouncey, what effect that's had. Um, I think you know we've got to give Kendrick Green a chance in, in camp to fight for his place as a centre. I think the one thing obviously a lot of people still worry about is his size and his arm length. Has he got these arm length and, and size to be able to compete? He's certainly got the strength. You know, strength is not an issue with Kendrick Green. You know, you look at what that guy can bench press, uh, you know, on videos. You, you know, if you go to YouTube and, you know, put in Kendrick Green bench press, uh, Kendrick Green uh, rookie workouts, you can see some of the weights this guy lifts. He lifts some big weights. That's not the issue. It's his technique and his size that is holding him back as a centre in the NFL. You've got to hope that working with the likes of Marquise Pouncey, who himself was an undersized centre, um, probably one of the best centres in Pittsburgh Steeler history, along with the likes of uh, Mike Webster, DeMonte Dawson, for example. Um, so that's obviously one situation that we need to resolve, that offensive line situation. The only two offensive linemen I think that are safe in their positions going into the new season, I, well, I think should be safe going to their positions in the new season, is Kevin Dotson, who, when he went out injured, the line really did take a bit of a nosedive. He is our best offensive line. He's a mauler, a fighter. Um, he's got good positioning. He's good at blocking. On, on, he's good at pass pro. He's good at running block, run blocking. And certainly when he was in the team, Najee had a much better time running towards the left-hand side of the line where Kevin Dotson was. The other player I think obviously is worth keeping faith with is Dan Moore Jr. Dan Moore Jr. who came on really well last season. A man who wasn't really expected to start. A man who was expected to be just a prospect, uh, a project to work on that last season. So I think obviously Dan Moore Jr. is another one. Now there's obviously a lot of... Uh, Rumours swirling, a lot of uh, supposition about Dan Moore Jr. Is he better suited to playing right tackle than left tackle? Uh, a lot of experts and um, draft analysts and position analysts and coaches say that he has a good skill set for right tackle and that his skill set is better suited to right tackle. So that may be something that the Steelers work on over the offseason to move him to right tackle and then get in an um, experienced uh, free agent left tackle to guard our new quarterback, whoever that is going to be, whether that be Mason, Dwayne, uh, a rookie or a free agent, uh, guard their blind side. So that's something obviously worth considering. But I think Kevin Dotson and um, Dan Moore Jr. are definitely two whose positions should be secure going into the new season. Another thing we need to work on, obviously, over this offseason is not just that, but in the alliance, also looking at the cornerback situation, obviously with Joe Hayden out of contract, Keller Witherspoon out of contract. Uh, and that would leave us only with the likes of Cam Sutton, uh, James Pierre, Justin Lane under contract at cornerback. And that's something we certainly can't go into the new season with. Personally, I would like to see um, them give Keller Witherspoon another opportunity. You know, he's very good at splash plays. Perhaps some of his coverage work needs work, needs work, and that's something the Steelers could work on. I think we've got to remember that he didn't have a full season. He didn't have a mini camp. He didn't have an uh, off-season training uh, regime with the Steelers. As Mike Tomlin said, you know, he was waiting for the train to stop moving before he got on, and that's something that's going to obviously hold him back in terms of fitting into our system. So I think he's definitely got the size in terms of height and the speed to fit into the, be an outside cornerback, and that's something I'd like to see. But obviously, the 
cornerback is going to be a need. Whether again we go and look at free agency for that, or we look in the draft. There's quite a, quite a deep class in the cornerback um, draft class of 2022. Especially you know going even deeper into the draft rounds four and five, you can still get some pretty decent cornerbacks who would have been higher last year had they declared last year for the draft. Uh, obviously, quarterback will be an ongoing topic of discussion, an ongoing um, situation where people are talking about who our next quarterback is going to be. I'll touch on that a bit in a later in the pod, along with um, some work on uh, I've done around the centre position, which is obviously the key anchor of our offensive line. Um, so that's another thing we need to work on. Obviously, I think inside linebacker is another key position. We're a little bit weak at inside linebacker. Since Vince Williams retired at the start of last season, we haven't had um, a strong man next to Devin Bush in there. With the best will in the world, when you're playing two linebackers like Joe Schobert and Devin Bush, they're very much of a similarity similarity in size similarity in weight similarity in what they do so you're playing two very similar players certainly neither of them can fight offensive linemen then that's not what they're equipped for and given the weaknesses in our defensive line last year when the o-linemen of opposition teams were getting into that second level um, with far too much ease joe and devon didn't really stand a chance against them so Obviously, inside linebacker is something we've got to address. I don't think Marcus Allen is the answer. Um, Marcus Allen, who seems to be good at dancing, and that's pretty much it. Um, Ulysses UG3, another one, again, who has failed to deliver on numerous occasions. Um, Spillane, again, another one who is very similar in his playing style to uh, Bush and to Schobert. But Buddy Johnson, obviously, is the wild card here. Buddy Johnson, who didn't perhaps get the defensive snaps that we would have hoped that he would have got last season. Um, that was because a lot of the coach, what was coming out from the coaching staff was that he wasn't learning the playbook quick enough and he wasn't picking things up on defence quick enough. And that's certainly something that another off-season will help. Uh, Buddy Johnson, I think, is a, good, is, a big th- is a thumper. He can play really well in that middle. And perhaps he is a prospect for next year. But I think inside linebacker is certainly something we need to address, whether that be in free agency, likes of Rashad Evans, for example, or Miles Jack, or whether we go down the, the rookie route with likes of, obviously, the top ones like Devin Lloyd, um, Quay Walker, Chad Moomer, Kobe Dean, uh, players of that calibre in the draft. And I'll talk, talk about linebackers in a later pod, as I'm a big fan of that linebacker position. And like I said, we've still obviously got in previous pods, I've mentioned about um, to having the coaching positions open. Um, the latest two names I've heard linked with our quarterback role, uh, looking at free agents. You know, in one of my previous pods, I looked at um, Ritter v. Willis. Um, has them been very similar dual threat quarterbacks, good arms and good mobility. Um, but if the Steelers chose not to pick from this year's rookie class, you know, the rookie class that has been talked down a lot by, uh, by pundits, by commentators and by uh, coaching staffs around the NFL. Um, so two veteran free agents who could be worth a look. Um, you know, one of them, I think, certainly has better stats than Mason. Uh, the other one has stats similar to Mason's. So the first one I want to touch on is someone, obviously, that actually someone I've heard mentioned a few on a few different podcasts and uh, mentioned by a few different people has been a good potential uh, fit for the Steelers. He is a free agent coming into this year, having previously been with the Las Vegas Raiders. Yes, I'm talking about Marcus Mariota. He's 28 years old. He's six foot four. He's 222 pounds. He was picked 
in round one as the second pick by the Tennessee Titans out of Oregon. He was also the Heisman Trophy winner in 2014. So he's got a good pedigree there. Um, had a good couple of first seasons with the Titans from what I remember and was seen as being a very promising quarterback. Then his performance sort of tailed off with the Titans and the Titans allowed him to go and he's been a backup um, with the Raiders pretty much ever since. Um, career stats wise, uh, 77 touchdowns, 45 interceptions. He's passed for over 13,000 yards, 13,437 yards in his career. Has a completion percentage of 62.9%, which is better than Mason's, which is 61.4%. His passer rating is 89.5, which again is higher than Mason's, which is 81.1. He has rushed for over 1,000 yards in his career, 1,574 yards, and has 13 rushing touchdowns to his name. He's definitely what you would describe as a dual threat quarterback. He's seen as having an above average arm. Um, he's got good strength to generate velocity and has a deep touch if needed. He's got clean, clean. He hasn't got clean. He's got clean, crisp delivery, and his accuracy is described as good. So he's certainly someone who would fit in with that Matt Canada system, given that he has that mobility, given that he has that um, has a you know pretty decent arm, given that he is the sort of quarterback that would be really suited to that. Um, Matt Canada system, you know, that's, that's very similar to what the Bills run, uh, the RPO system, the system of, you know, looking to get that, that run pass options, getting to get play action. He's a, you know, he can bootleg out, he can move around in the pocket. He certainly gives you that option. So, you know, Mariota is certainly someone worth considering whether it's worth bringing him in as a free agent and then drafting a rookie to sit behind him or bringing him to compete with Mason and Dwayne for the job. Um, he's certainly, I think, going to be a free agent in high demand. There are a number of NFL franchises who have been linked with him. Denver was the latest one I saw uh, in the media yesterday. The other um, potential that I've heard and mentioned in a few platforms and read in a few um, articles online is Jacoby Brissett. Joe, yeah. Just try that again. Jacoby Brissett, who is the um, currently with the Miami Dolphins, but again will be a free agent. Um, Jacoby Brissett, who is again a dual threat quarterback, he's six foot four, two hundred and thirty five pounds, so a little bit heavier than Marcus Mariota. Um, he has also going in his favour that worked with Matt Canada previously. He was Matt Canada's quarterback at NC State. So he's used to that Matt Canada system and has played in the system that obviously Canada wants to introduce into the Steelers. Um, he is a dual, like I said, he's a dual threat. He can run, he can throw. His accuracy is good. He is a good physical size for a quarterback. He's 29 years old um, and he was round three picked, uh, pick 91 by the Patriots. And from the Patriots, he then went to the Colts where he had started a good few games for them. And the Dolphins, where again, he has started a good few games for them. So it's not like he's never started in the NFL before. Yes, he's been a backup a lot of the time, but he has had starting performances for the Colts where he did fairly well. And again, for the Dolphins this year when Tua was out injured. Certainly the Patriots saw something in him when they picked him. Patriots not usually a bad judge of player. Um, his career stats currently sit like this. 36 touchdowns, 17 interceptions, uh, 7,742 passing yards with a completion rate of 60.2%, a passer rating of 83, uh, rushing yards 651 and him, like Mariota, has 13 rushing TDs. Obviously his um, completion percentage and passer rating are a little bit under Mason's, um, but that could be put down to the fact that obviously um, after the Patriots, Jacoby Brissett went to the Colts when they were struggling and was with the Dolphins when they were struggling as well, uh, especially the Dolphins, given all the scandal that is coming out of Miami at this moment in time as regards Stephen Ross, their owner. 
So they're the two free agents that I've heard mentioned has been particularly um, attractive, maybe, shall we say, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Both decent options, um, you know, along with the likes of Jameis Winston, for example. I would hate to see Tyrod Taylor. I think the guy's a very much a journeyman. I don't want him in Pittsburgh. I really don't hope we don't sign someone like him. But, you know, there's two to consider, Marcus Mariota and Jacoby Brissett. Uh, please feel free to drop me, you know, a message at Steeler Nation on Twitter or on my Facebook page at Britsburg, a voice from across the pond, or on my Instagram, Britsburg Owen, or my YouTube channel, Britsburg, a voice from across the pond, or drop me an email. Give me your views. What do you think? Who do you see as the best free agents to go out there after if we're going to go down the free agent route, um, looking for that mobile dual threat quarterback that Mike Tomlin and Art Rooney Sr. seem so desperate for this off season? Um, certainly, something to give us a little bit more, obviously, than Ben who was very immobile at the end of his career, but still the man. Um, so that's obviously looking at the quarterback. Now, in this part, I want to talk about one of the key positions for me. Uh, one of the key needs that has been identified with the Pittsburgh Steelers is the offensive line. Our offensive line was widely regarded as being one of the very worst in the NFL last season. Uh, it was like a turnstile at times. It nearly got Ben killed on numerous occasions. Um, Najee Harris, most of his yards came after contact. You know, Najee, apart from that Cleveland game, was never really able to break free. Um, you know, the guy still had 1,200 yards behind that god-awful line. And if we can rebuild that, that offensive line, um, including the likes, you know, Dotson and Moore, we can really go on to have good success, not only with a quarterback's passing game, but also with the running game. You know, if you establish the running game, it helps so much more of your offensive game. And our offense last season was just very poor. We couldn't move the ball with any regularity, especially in that playoff game. You know, we, we held Kansas City in check for 20 minutes, and it was the fact that our offense was so weak and could not move the ball that didn't give us the opportunity to, to get out there, get a lead, and get something different defending that game. And it could have been so different if we had an offense that could move the ball. Now, I could obviously, a lot of you would blame the scheme, blame Canada. Yes, blame Canada, blame Canada. Yes, that's the, you know, from, from South Park. But at the end of the day, the Canada system works best when it's got a mobile quarterback in it. And Ben wasn't a mobile quarterback. You know, Ben is an awesome first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback. He will always have the eternal thanks and gratitude of the Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Uh, you know, two Super Bowl victories, you know, third, you know, three AFC championships. He He's amazing. He's the best. He's one of the best quarterbacks in Steelers franchise history. However, for the Canada system to work, you need that mobile quarterback. Um, and you need an offensive line that can block on pass pro and in running protection. The Canada system works best when the running game is established. And with an awful offensive line, you cannot establish a running game. So that's something we've obviously got to address this year. We're looking, obviously, I think, for uh, another guard and the tackle. But one thing we desperately, desperately need is a good quality centre. Kendrick Green last year really did fail to live up to the standards that we'd hoped of him. And yes, I know the guy was only a rookie, but like I said earlier in the pod, maybe his size and his arm length is something that's always going to count against him um, as an NFL grade center. A backup center, maybe. Hassenhauer did a decent job at the end of the year, but Hassenhauer is very, very limited in what he can do. You know, he can't move and pull like we'd want our centers to do. So that obviously turns us towards free agency and the draft. Who do we go for? What's out there? So what I've done is I went away and I looked at three good quality free agents and then the top five NFL draft prospects coming out of college. 
So let's start with the free agents, the guys with some experience. So the and all of these will be a bit unsealer-like if we sign them. All of them are on the other side of thirty. They've all turned thirty. You know, the Steelers are well renowned for wanting to draft younger players, have that younger younger squad. But you, I think. Um, if you look at a lot of successful sports franchises around the world, whether that be in baseball, basketball, ice hockey, uh, foot, uh, soccer in the UK, rugby in the UK and Australia and New Zealand, um, you know, a successful team isn't just built with kids. It's, you've got to have that veteran presence, that veteran experience. And if you look at Super Bowl champions, a lot of Super Bowl champions are built around their veteran presence. Yes, they have those good, exciting youngsters in their team, but again, they've got that veteran presence. In, you know, in their squad. Certainly, if you look at this year's Super Bowl champions, Aaron Donald, Von Miller, OBJ, Matt Stafford, all veteran presence. Been there, seen it, done it, experience. Can bring those young lads in, calm them down when the situation needs to, teach those young younger guys what to do in those high-pressure NFL situations. So the three uh, center free agents that I've looked at are Ryan Jensen of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Ben Jones, who is currently with the Titans, and Justin Britt, who is currently with the Texans. Um, so let's start with Ryan Jensen. Ryan Jensen, obviously, is probably the best free agent out there at centre at the moment in time. Um, he may suffer a little bit if, um, obviously, the Buccaneers want to really go out there and uh, draft a, or, or get in free agency a really good, high-quality quarterback to replace um, Tom Brady, who has retired, in inverted commas. Ryan Jensen's 30 years old. He's six foot four. He's 319 pounds. He comes out of CSU Pueblo. He was picked back in 2013 and picked late down on the draft. He was picked in the sixth round at 203. Unfortunately for Ryan Jensen, he started his career with the Ratbirds in 2013. And between 2013 and 2017, he played fairly successfully for the Baltimore Ravens. In 2018, he moved to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers um, and played has played there ever since, obviously winning the Super Bowl last season. Um, Jensen would probably be the most expensive of the three free agent centers. It currently has between a 12 and $10 million cap hit. So he's certainly someone, if you wanted to get hold of him, you would have to look at um, getting in a bit more of a team-friendly deal, which would give you space, therefore, to draft those other offensive pieces that you need um, around him. And possibly go for that free agent quarterback and that free agent cornerback that you need. Um, you know, you could, that could certainly be got round with the use of signing bonuses, performance bonuses, etc., etc. in his contract. But Ryan Jensen from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is certainly one worth considering. Next one worth considering is a guy called Ben Jones, who is 32 years old out of Georgia. He's six foot three. He's 308 pounds. He was picked back in 2012 in the fourth round at pick 99. So again, another one picked later on in the draft. He was picked and uh, drafted by the Texans yeah, between 2012 and 2015. He was the Texans starting center. Um, he's very, very highly thought of now. Um, he is with, been with the Titans since 2016. Reading some stuff on Tennessee websites, Tennessee fan sites, they think very, very highly of Ben Jones and are very anxious to re-sign him. However, they feel that given the position the Titans are in with cap hit and also the position the Titans are in with other needs around the team, he may be someone who becomes a casualty of that and even an in free agency is not re-signed. At present, he would have a somewhere in the region of about a $6.75 million cap hit and could be someone worth, look at, worth giving a two or three year contract to. Certainly someone who is an experienced veteran who could work with a rookie or continue to work with the likes of Kendrick Green to develop him as a future NFL center. So another one worth thinking about. Like I say, he's very, very highly thought of, good in pass pro, good in run pro, 
you know, a decent person to have as your centre. A third candidate is a guy called Justin Britt, who currently plays for the Houston Texans. Obviously, he suffered this year from playing on a Texans team that has not done very well and has had a very inexperienced, after Tyrod Taylor went down, had Davis Mills, a very inexperienced quarterback um, at its helm. Uh, Justin Britt is 30 years old. He's six foot six. So he's a tall guy. He's 315 pounds. He's started, uh, he's played 93 games in the NFL. He's started 92 of them. Um, he again, he was a second round pick, pick 64 in 2014 um, by the Seattle Seahawks. He spent to open 2014 to 2019 with the Seattle Seahawks. So obviously has got a reasonable grounding in the game, having played under the likes of Pete Carroll. In 2019, he joined the Texans and has been their centre ever since. Um, his cap hit is slightly less than the other two, around about 3.2 million. He's described as a solid prospect. Um, another one might be worth a three, maybe four-year deal. Um, bring on a rookie, bring on someone alongside him. Um, you know, coming out of the draft this year or looking at Kendrick Green um, to bring him on as our future centre. So there are three free agents, Ryan Jensen, Ben Jones and Justin Britt. Probably the better three that are out there. Obviously, there's some other guys around there like Jason Kelsey, but he's obviously a long way on the wrong side of 30. So let's move now to the draft. So obviously, looking when you talk centres, when you talk 2020 NFL draft, there is one centre who stands out head and shoulders above the rest of them. And that guy is Tyler Linderbaum, who plays for the for Iowa State. He is um, probably the highest regarded centre. He's seen as being a future um, pro bowler, future all pro. Uh, certainly seen as having all the skills necessary to be a decent um Decent centre. You know, there's a couple of measurements. One measurement I saw, he was six foot two. Draft Network report him as six foot three. Uh, weights around about 289, 288, up to 290 pounds. I've seen on different, depending where you look, whether you look at the Draft Network or the NFL um, or his college profile, different weights around him. So, in terms of um, him, Iowa centre Ty Linderbaum is a very high level starting center in the NFL. You know, I think he's described, he has been described as a day one starter. Um, Linderbaum hasn't got the skills to become a flex position flexible player. Um, he's certainly not someone who could transition to guard or anywhere else. He is a center and a center exclusively. Um, uh, so that could obviously temper his value in the eyes of some, some NFL teams. But obviously if you're looking for a designated center center, you're going to want there for a good few years. Tyler Linderbaum could be your man. Um, you know, he is highly polished. He's very, he's very thoughtful. He's clever. He's dynamic. Um, he's got some good traits, individual traits that make him a bit of a game changer in that middle of your offensive line. Um, he is a wide zone, um, fit. He would fit very well into coaches that come out of the Shanahan tree and, you know, around, Coaches, obviously, like, like Kyle Shanahan, obviously, in 49ers, or Mike McDaniel, um, who's obviously come out of uh, the 49ers this year to go and coach the Miami Dolphins. Um, however, he's certainly got the skill set and the intelligence to fit in with a lot of schemes around the NFL. He's a former wrestler, which obviously stands him in good stead for his blocking. Um, I think I heard one of the great quotes I heard about Tyler Linderbaum was that um, he doesn't just um, beat uh, opposition defensive linemen, he destroys their souls. Um, he absolutely smashes them. Um, so he's a possibility, you know, a really good possibility, I think. Uh, you know, he's good in pass pro, he's good in um, 
run protection. Um, and like I said, he's seen as an ideal starting center. Um, you know, there may be some early growing pains as there is with any rookie coming out of college, uh, making that step up between the college game and the NFL game when everything just seems to be faster, quicker. Um, I think those those weaknesses could be somewhere around about his size and his um size and obviously looking at his arm reach as well but there are obviously things i think with the talent of the boy he could certainly work on and become a very very high level center obviously there is a doubt that he'd be there at 20 when the steelers pick um given that other teams like for example the philadelphia eagles um, are looking at needing a center given that the likelihood that they will allow jason kelsey to leave in this offseason um, so, you know, and a lot of people's a lot of argument as well over is Linda Baum the best pick at 20, you know, given the fact that he doesn't obviously provide much value elsewhere. And does a centre really provide the best value? Is he the player we need? You know, are we better off going and getting a guard or a tackle or a linebacker if someone like Devin Lloyd is there? So Tyler Linda Baum obviously is a first round prospect and will go first round. Um, and like I said, he may already be gone by the time the Steelers come to pick. The next guy on the draft profile that I was reading um, and the research that I've done, Alec Lindstrom, a guy coming out of Boston College. He's six foot four, so about two inches, well, one or two inches bigger than Linderbaum, depending on where you read Linderbaum's height. He weighs 300 pounds. He's a three year starter. He succeeds as a run blocker. He's got good timing, good angles. He positions well. He's got excellent hand technique, good footwork. He is very solid in pass protection. He frames his blocks well. He stays square. He's very good in combo blocks as well. Um, he, you know, he keeps that. He can obviously get through to that second level as well. Um, concerns around uh, Alec Lindstrom though is that he has modest length, uh, functional strength, and sometimes is far too upright. He would definitely be a, a developmental center, and that's obviously I think an issue for the Steelers. Do we want to spend time developing another centre uh, like we did last year with Kendrick Green? Or do we want a, a plug-and-play centre now? You know, certainly Lindstrom is someone who you could bring in and put behind one of those free agents. Or yeah, you could give time to develop. It depends what we're looking for. You know, the things that he has as his concerns, you know, the strength uh, and the fact that he's too upright are certainly things that could be coached. Um, with the right offensive line coach. But obviously that's another appointment the Pittsburgh Steelers need to make this offseason. Next prospect coming out of Missouri is a guy called Michael Maietti. I think his name is M-A-I-E-T-T-I. Again, a little on the shorter side, the measurements that I read, six foot one inch, 290 pounds. He is quick footed. He has smooth movements and can cover a large area. He bursts off the snap really well. He's strong and low in short yardage uh, situations. Um, you know, he has got good timing. Um, he can, however, fall off second level blocks. He is not physically imposing as yet and needs to improve his strength. The other thing as well is that apparently rushers can get under his pads and steer him aside. So obviously, technique is something he needs to work on. Again, he would be a developmental center. Um, is that something, again, that we want to do as Pittsburgh Steelers? The fourth prospect that I found was a guy called Donovan West, or Donovan West, depending on how you pronounce his first name, which is spelled D-O-H-N-O-V-A-N. He comes out of Arizona. He's a three-star prospect. He has good athletic ability. Um, he is a possible growth center again. Um, he is uh, fluid when getting to the second level. He can adjust his feet well when he anticipates he, what's coming. He's got adequate core strength, but again, that's something that can be developed. He ha is a smooth mover, better laterally um, in his movements. He uh, is of average height and has a narrow base stance. Um, 
Concerns around West is that he can lose leverage battles. Sometimes he can be a little bit late off the snap, which obviously was a concern for Green this year, where he was getting bull rushed and knocked onto his backside quite a lot. Um, he needs to develop his technique a little bit in pass protection, um, and his, his awareness can needs to be worked on as well. Uh, he needs to improve in the straight ahead run game as well. So obviously these are concerns that again would take coaching, take development from whoever your offensive line coach is. Uh, it, would it would take time for him to work on. So again, he's a developmental prospect. So he's one that you could possibly bring in to sit behind a free agent um, centre or behind Green, given whatever Green's development has been this year. The final guy I want to talk about is a guy called James MP, E-M-P-E-Y, that may be how you pronounce it, at BYU. He's six foot four, he's 300 pounds, he's very quick initially, he's agile, he's got good body control, he's got a good punch block, and he's got decent technique. Um, he, however, has a few uh, concerns around him. He can be bull rushed, which was one of the concerns around Kendrick Green, and he's on the little on the light side for his size. Um, he's not suited to a power running offense, which the Steelers may well become given the strength of Najee. Um, he's not a great athlete at present um, and hasn't got that nasty block temperament that you would look for. Not a killer instinct, certainly of the, the, the same likes of Tyler Linderbaum. The one thing going massively against MP, though, is his age. He is about 25 years old, so he may have already reached a peak. So a 25-year-old coming out of college uh, as a rookie, I don't think that's something that the Steelers would want to touch, given um, their past draft drafting and also the fact that Steelers like those younger players in the draft that they can work on and develop. So those five names again, Tyler Linderbaum, Alec, uh, Tyler Linderbaum of Iowa, Alec Lindstrom out of Boston, Michael Mayotte out of Missouri, Donovan West out of Arizona, and James MP, whatever that, that's how you say it, out of BYU. There are a number of other centers, like, you know, Jurgens, for example, that I've seen mentioned as particular prospects for this year. But out of all those centres that, you know, have been addressed, look, looked at, you know, perhaps any Linderbaum and maybe Lindstrom are options to start um, in the NFL from day one. And is that something, again, the Steelers want to risk? Do they want a centre they're going to have to develop again next season, given that our offensive line was such a concern um, last season? There's something, that obviously, that we need that good, strong anchor to our line, a good, firm fit to hold the line together, uh, to you know make the snaps, make help with the play calls, call out some of the blocking schemes, etc., etc. So that may be something that we may, therefore, want to turn to a free agent, someone like a Jensen, a Jones, or a Brit. Um, obviously, there's a lot to do. Um, for the Pittsburgh Steelers over this coming off-season. And centre is certainly a position along with the, some of the other offensive line positions, particularly right guard and possibly right tackle, if Dan Moore is not moved to the right side. If he is, obviously, then left tackle becomes an issue. Given the free agency situation as well on the line, obviously, with Chukes of Corafor being out of contract. Um, so that's obviously what the situation is at this present moment in time with regards to centres. That's who's out there. That's who is on the draft side of it. That's who is on the free agent side of it. just wanted to bring those names to your um, to your attention to get a bit of discussion going out there in Steeler Nation. Who would you like? What do you think is the best route to go with the centre? Do we want a free agent, someone with experience who can come in and pull the line together straight away? Or do you want to go down the rookie route again? If Linderbaum is sat there at 20, do we snap um, snap and get him straight away? Or is he someone that we bypass in favour of someone else, like a guard like Zion Johnson or a linebacker, uh, someone like a Devin Lloyd if he's still there? Or even, you know, I've seen this morning um, in Chad Reuters draft, um, going Steelers going for a quarterback in at the first round. 
adds up to obviously a lot. We've got to trust the process. We've got to trust uh, to Kevin Colbert, uh, Rune the second, and Mike Tomlin in this draft in April. Um, so I wanted to bring those to your attention, see, get your views. You know, if you've got any views on who should be our starting centre next year, should we stick with Green uh, or bring back Hassanauer? Or do we go down the rookie or the free agent route again? Like I said, I've said before, um, send me a message on Twitter at uh, E Steeler Nation, Britsburg Owen, or on my Facebook group, Asta Join, Britsburg Voice from Across the Pond, or my Instagram page, Britsburg Owen. Drop me an email. Contribute to my YouTube channel, like, subscribe, comment, uh, Britsburg Voice from Across the Pond on YouTube. So let's bring it to a close, Steeler Nation. So I've talked about obviously a few different things, topics this morning, talked about Super Bowl, we've talked about lots of different options going forward. This week um, in the offseason, obviously, it's going to be interesting to see if the Steelers make any moving moves on the coaching front. Now, with the Super Bowl being over, obviously, appointments can be made. So O'Connell, who is the offensive coordinator of the Rams, can now officially be announced as the Vikings head coach as well. So there's obviously something Steelers may want to do this this uh, coming week or weeks is look at trying to appoint someone to be our new offensive line coach, which is an absolutely massively key appointment looking forward for uh, the 2022 season. Whether we Jerry O takes over as the outside linebacker coach, or whether we appoint someone, or what goes on with our secondary coaches, do we let let Terrell Austin be the secondary coach and the defensive coordinator, or are we going to bring in someone? as that defensive backs coach to replace Terrell Austin to leave him free to concentrate on our defence. So a big week again, another massive, massive uh, off-season for this Pittsburgh Steelers, probably the most influential, the biggest in living memory for our Steelers. So keep your ears open for more podcasts this week. Uh, keep your eyes all over my social media and all over my media platform, Britsburg Voice from Across the Pond, for all the latest news, views and discussions, breaking news, etc. Um, hope you've enjoyed the pod this morning. Like I said, any feedback, drop me a line. Thank you again for listening. I really appreciate all your support out there. And let's finish it as we always do with Here We Go Steelers. <laughs>